Welcome to Fitch Ratings latest fixed interest podcast. My name is Carla Norfley Taylor and I am the head of research for US corporate ratings. On this episode, Jason Pompey and Heim Curlin of our technology team will discuss recent developments in the semiconductor sector and Fitch's expectations for the sector heading into 2023. Together, you have more than 25 years of industry experience. It's indeed an honor to speak with you today. Jason, since you lead the semiconductor team, let's start with you. Last month, the U.S. government released new rules prohibiting U.S. companies from exporting the technology, software, and equipment used to produce advanced chips and supercomputers to China. How significant are these export rules, and will certain companies be more impacted than others? Sure, very significant. And assuming the measures are enforced as contemplated and also assuming the U.S. does not continue to renew the exception licenses that it granted shortly after the measures were put in place. You know, these rules really represent the U.S.'s strongest actions taken to date uh, in its efforts to thwart China's development of advanced semiconductor technologies. You know, without access to these tools, and these are the software, the hardware, the services, that are absolutely necessary for developing next generation chip production. You know, China is going to be relegated to producing chips with more mature technologies. And that is until it develops indigenous tools, which is a very challenging process and requires significant sustained investments. There's a, a reason that equipment providers like Cadence Design and Lamb Research, KLA and Applied Materials have such very strong market positions. As for the issuers most affected, I just alluded to the semi-cap equipment providers. All of these uh, players have benefited greatly from China's strategic investments uh, made to gain semiconductor independence from the U.S. Um, this represents a consequential reduction in the addressable market for leading-edge tools. You know, as you know, we're seeing that uh, kind of running 30% of sales to China as a, as a percentage of total um, is, is, is uh, significant for these providers. You know, also, the rules are going to meaningfully impact NVIDIA and, and, uh, and AMD. These are uh, basically the providers of, of processors for artificial intelligence and supercomputing applications. And we've already seen NVIDIA and others offer modified processors with uh, slower internet connect speeds uh, aimed at sort of getting around uh, the export controls while still, um, you know, addressing and shipping to uh, the, com the, the companies or NVIDIA's second largest uh, um, geographic market. Uh, the export controls are also going to affect Micron Technology, Memory Maker, you know, which currently sh ships a significant amount of capacity into China. You know, at the same time, uh, you know, flash memory is one area where China has, has done the best at uh, sort of closing the gap between it and sort of U.S. providers. And uh, you know, really, these measures are going to sustain that, uh, that difference in technology uh, over time. And so that will benefit, in the longer run, will end up benefiting you know, Micron and its peers like Samsung, SK Hynix, and Kyoxia. I see. So do you expect the export restrictions to expedite the concept of regionalization of semiconductor supply chains that I believe began as a result of the protracted chip shortage caused by the pandemic-related government policies that we saw put in place back in 2020? Yeah, I would say not in and of itself. You know, certainly 
it does sort of underscore the, the urgency for regionalization. Uh, you know, it took the semiconductor industry more than a decade to consolidate the supply chain in Southeast Asia. And, you know, heightened risks should accelerate regionalization. It's still going to take a long time, and it's going to require a significant amount of sustained investment from both the private and the public sectors. Um, you know, it's not just putting capital on the ground, but attracting the requisite skilled labor force, um, also suppliers, as well as sort of customers to the United States and, you know, ultimately to Europe as well. Um, and importantly, and we believe the U.S. is, you know, going to sort of approach building a domestic supply chain in a holistic way, uh, you know, really trying to attract a diversified set of foundries. You know, so this would start really with inducing, uh, you know, companies like TSMC and Samsung uh, to follow through on their commitments to build capacity in factories in the United States, since it's these, these companies already are producing uh, you know, on the leading edge. Um, you know, the relationship with TSMC in particular could be somewhat complicated by obviously China's territorial claims on, on the island um, and, uh, you know, and what steps they may take to sort of push, push for reunification. You know, meanwhile, obviously companies like Intel, um, you know, should benefit also from government support, uh, you know, as they continue to sort of pivot to try to regain technology leadership as well as uh, build out its foundry capabilities. But this is going to take years. Thank you, Jason. Haim, turning to you, what about the protests that began the weekend of November 25th in China? Could they impact semiconductor supply conditions? Yeah, so that's a great question, Carla. It's a live situation with developments every day that we're watching closely. For background, you know, China continues to aggressively pursue its zero COVID policy through a series of harsh lockdown strategies. To that end, the 200,000 person manufacturing facility in China, which is known as iPhone City, that is owned by Apple's top contract manufacturing partner, Foxconn, has been under strict lockdown since October. The workers there have endured extended isolation, food shortages, which, as you point out, in the recent week has led to riots and production shutdowns. At Fitch, we see several takeaways from these developments. First, as Jason was alluding to in his comments, this reinforces the need, if anything, for supply chain diversification outside of China and likely accelerates some of those efforts, particularly as Apple will try to shift as much production as possible in preparation for the holiday selling season. Second, the events come at a time of already rapidly waning demand and inventory build for semiconductor companies. For context here, this facility alone, there's a reason why it's called iPhone City. It represents 70% of global iPhone production and is facing production cuts of over 30%. Um, backing into some numbers here, we estimate this can probably reduce demand for components globally by roughly $32 billion or maybe about 5% of total semiconductor demand, which is exacerbating the building demand pressures that we're seeing across the semiconductor space today. Third, and, and not to be understated, uh, the conditions of the manufacturing workers throughout tech supply chains, particularly as China may be considering a response or a crackdown on the protests that it's seeing, raises ESG concerns where studies have shown potential for negative impacts to cost of capital over the longer term uh, for companies that score poorly on ESG. So it's a, it's a live situation and, and, and bears close watching for, for its impacts throughout the supply chain. Given all of this, what is Fitch's outlook for the semiconductor sector as we head into 2023? 
Yeah, I mean, first to, to take a step back, the last several years have witnessed really extraordinary conditions for the semiconductor industry, uh, characterized by record demand and revenue growth, um, as well as numerous dislocations such as the pandemic, trade restrictions, supply chain challenges, labor shortages, war, et cetera. Um, the result has been an elongated period of ongoing distortions in demand signals that we think overstates the true nature of long-term demand. If you shift now to current conditions, as a result of the growing macroeconomic pressures that we're all seeing, uh, we're also seeing a rapid deterioration of demand that was highlighted pretty recently by the weak Q3 earnings reports in semiconductor space and uh, the poor outlooks that were provided across the board. As a result, we're also seeing pockets of double ordering, order cancellations, and excess inventory buildup to levels in excess of pre-pandemic levels. And given this current step down in demand that we're seeing, we think it'll take a, until at least second half of calendar 2023 to normalize these inventory levels. Um, during this kind of period, we expect to see profit margin contraction from the operating deleverage, uh, but free cash flow impacts are likely to be more moderate as inventory levels are gradually worked down and capital spending can be deferred. Well, our um, our issuers' credit profiles positioned to withstand this downturn that we're seeing? Yeah, that's a great question, Carla, and really underpins the, our thesis behind the semiconductor industry at Fitch. Um, over the last decade, the semiconductor industry has really gone through a transformation. Um, some of the changes we focus on at Fitch include the broadened sources of demand. Uh, historically, it was just typically PCs and consumer electronics, but now we include auto, industrial, telecom, aerospace, and defense as newer sources of demand for, for semiconductor sales. Uh, we also have seen a wave of consolidation that has improved product positioning for companies and provided increased R&D scale. We've seen increased specialization in the products also, whereas the past was really more characterized by commodity-like products, such as CPUs uh, and memory. Uh, we've also seen a dramatic improvement in balance sheets with conserved debt levels uh, and leverage levels. And not to, be, uh, not to be forgotten, the industry has also become strategic to global governments uh, um, in, in their view of global competitiveness. Um, as, as a result, we, while we still certainly see the, the industry as highly cyclical, credit profiles are much stronger today heading into this downturn than in prior adverse environments. And as a whole, we think the space is well positioned to weather the storm with strong liquidity and conservative debt levels. Um, you could even say the improvement in credit profiles has been reflected in our rating actions where we've seen 13 positive actions compared to just two negative actions since 2020. So that gives you a sense of how, we, how much improvement we've seen across the space. Okay, that's great. But are there any specific issuers on your radar? I mean, are there any issuers that investors should really pay close attention to given economic conditions and the um, situation with semiconductors? Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and jump in on that one. I mean, I would say, you know, we already talked about them. Intel, Intel as they pivot and, and essentially try to regain technology leadership, this is going to require a significant amount of sustained investment. That is going to result in some considerable cash usage over the next few years. So we're keeping an eye on those guys, as well as Western Digital, which is at triple B minus, so right on the cusp of investment grade, non-investment grade. They are going through a strategic review and, and sort of determining whether or not they should separate their uh, flash memory business from their disk drive business. So those are those are two issuers that we've, uh, we're looking at in particular. Okay, very interesting. Thank you both for sharing your insight. For more information on the technology sector, please visit Fitch's website at www.fitchratings.com.